always have a lot of fun doing my own things. That's why I do them. Will you um, flip through these cute books about underwear and stuff while I tell you a really silly story that happened to me this week? Yeah. Um, it's slightly related to this movie because it mostly happened in my imagination. <laughs> um, so I went to get my flu shot and I was in the waiting room and it was the middle of the day. So the waiting room was kind of crowded. And um, <laughs> and there were people like the nurses were coming and calling names. And I just suddenly like I had just this sudden hilarious urge to just take someone else's appointment. Like just hop right up next time they came out and called like Roberta or something. Just hop right up and go. And it was just making me giggle so much inside. And then they actually did call my name and I hopped up and I went. And, um, you know, the first thing they do, of course, is ask you, what's your last name and what's your date of birth? And so, like, on the outside, I was just being a normal human being. But on the inside, I was just like, what would I have done? <laughs> just cracking up because I was still imagining, like, what if I took Melissa's appointment? And then when they asked me that, what would I say? Would I be like, uh, I'm not telling. You would like, have snapped your fingers. How dare you ask me that yeah. question? <laughs> and your white horse would have just charged up and taken you off into the it was bowels of a monster. So funny. Like it just, and so then, um, uh, so then I, I told, um, tall guy about that. And when he went in for his flu shot, he told the nurse that his wife was, was, uh, giggling in her head about taking someone else's appointment. And he said that the nurse was like, oh, when they ask you what your name is, you just say, well, what do you have on the chart? <gasps> and I was like, oh, the nurse. The nurse is in it. Yeah. She wants to help me uh, break the system. And then I was also like, what would I have gotten? Like, oh, would I have right. gotten radiology or would I have gotten... Or you got, like, a shingle shot or like something? Sh- shingles or, like, I don't know, a prostate exam? Like, what would I have oh, gotten? That wouldn't have gone far. <laughs> <laughs> they would have noticed an and issue. Then, like, uh, there's a problem here. <laughs> and then the very last thing I realized was when I was driving home, um, they said my name wrong when they called me and I'm just so used to responding to like any variation of Liza that I just got up and went. And then on the way home, I was like, what if there was a Lisa in that waiting room? Who's just like watching me get up and take her appointment. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> my whole mental adventure. Where's the iron? Can mice and birds sew? Oh, Polly, no, don't right cut on. off that dress. This is sewing machine. Where's the iron? Oh my God, I'm sweating. Where's the iron? <laughs> Okay, so let's get right into it. I think I'm ready. Yeah, I am like um, less ready. I feel less ready than I've ever felt. So let's do it. Um. All right. Hey, Megan. Hi, Liza. <laughs> Hi, I'm Liza. I'm the sewing one. Oh. Hi, I'm Megan. I'm the writing one. And you are listening to There's No Thread. Okay, so today we're going to talk about the adventures of Baron Munchausen a movie that came out in 1988, and the plot of this movie is... Oh, I thought of a plot for this movie. Yeah, do a plot. Um, Just off the top of my head, it felt to me like the plot of this movie was old man is trying to die, but keeps getting interrupted Ooh, that's by good. adventures, that, by problems that he has to solve in order to save the world. Yeah. But also via a theater context, right? Because he, like, crashes a play... Yeah. Um, and then, of course, you're not really sure what's true and what's not true. But to me, it seemed like he just wanted to die peacefully, but, like, not quite yet. Not quite yet. Not quite yet. Got to go do this But it's on the thing. list. Yeah, it's definitely on the list. That's that's perfect. I love that. <laughs> um, do you want to tell us who's in it? I have a cast list here. Oh, yes. You don't have to do them all. Just, like, your highlights. Who's oh, in it and what they're playing and a little bit about that. Okay. Um, so John Neville plays the Baron Munchausen. Um, and he is our main character who is an older 
gentleman who can't um, quite seem to die. <laughs> no, he's like uh, known for his ridiculous uh, adventures and um, he uh, shows up at a theater set one day and tells this big fantastical story that we follow through the whole movie and he is the main character. And then we have um, Eric Idle as Berthold Desmond. He's sort of like his right hand man. Does he have any special skills? I can't remember. I know some of them have... He's the fastest runner. He's the fastest runner. Is he the big guy? No, he's the one with the legs. Okay. He was wearing stripes. And he has kind of a beard? No. So he's the fastest runner. Sarah Polly is the most adorable. Sally Salt. Oh my goodness. And she sort of leads the story. She kind of drives him in the right direction. She's a real... She's keeping him on task. Yeah, she keeps him on task. She might be the smartest person in this movie. <laughs> um, she's definitely the most focused. Uh, then we have Oliver Reed as Vulcan. Is he the big guy? Well, he's Vulcan. <laughs> he's he's uh, the one who lives in the volcano. Oh, yes. Yeah, I think I fell asleep for that part. Okay, so you can skip him, I guess. Okay. Um, and then uh, Charles McEwen as Adolf Rupert. Is he the one that can blow? He has a big blow? He is the one with the eyes, the best eyesight, and he's oh. also one of the writers. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah. And then Winston Dennis as Albrecht Bill. He is the big guy. Oh, he carries the treasure out. Carries the treasure out. Yeah. yeah. That was like my favorite part. I feel like I, I peaked you, in the you first. Did you love that part? Yes. The first 20 <laughs> minutes and the last 20 minutes, I was like so there. And then I think I slept for two hours. Oh my gosh. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Just a beautiful dream. Yeah. And then we have Jack Purvis as Gustavus Jeremy. Yes. He's the one whose powers he can, he can blow. blow. And then we have Valentina Cortez. She's the queen of the moon. She's the queen of the moon. Uh, Jonathan Price as the ordinary, right ordinary Horatio Jackson. Do you know which one he was in the? I do not. So he's the he's the one who's in charge of the theater, and so the like Sally's oh, he dad. He has like a keeps... beard, right? I don't think he has a beard either. He's got somebody's got. <laughs> um, cool. Uh, and then P Bill Patterson as Henry Salt. Now that must be Sally's father. Yeah. Um. So he's the one that plays Baron Munchausen. Munchausen yeah. In the play. Yeah. Ooh, Peter Jeffrey as the Sultan Muhammad the First. Um, he, I definitely know who he is. You, he's, who is he? You tell me. The Sultan was the one that had the big hat. Oh no, on. no, I know. I oh. think you meant the actor. <laughs> is that actor familiar to you? No, no. Uh, it's just <laughs> of all these rogue fantasy characters, he's the one I can identify. You're, you're on board with who the Sultan is. Okay, I got it. <laughs> I was surprised that you didn't know. Uh, Uma Thurman is Venus. Uh, she is just delightful, as usual. Robin Williams has a guest spot, uh, and he's uncredited. Yeah. But he plays, what, the Moon Prince or something? The King of the Moon. Oh, it's right yeah. here. Sorry. King, yes, the King of the Moon. Yeah. Um, and this movie is directed by Terry Gilliam, um, and it flopped at the box office. Okay, have you seen this before yesterday slash the day before? I, I feel, I, when we started watching it, I was like, this is the kind of movie that Liza would have insisted that we watch as children, and everybody would have loved it except for me. I would have fallen asleep. <laughs> it's got, like, a fantasy element that, part of it I really liked. I mean, like I said, I loved the beginning and I loved the end, but um, I, and parts of the middle that I was awake for, um, <laughs> it was, like, beautiful and exciting. Uh, but no, I, I don't think I'd seen it, and yet it was strangely familiar, because I think I'd seen that Sarah Pauly yeah, we you may have walked past it a couple times because um, so it came out in 1988 in theaters, which means it would have been on video by 1989. Yes, because things really kind of took a minute back then. Yeah, 
And uh, me and our brother definitely watched this on video at home. Because I would have been about the same age. 100%. And as, I loved it. Yes. And I would have been about the same age as, as that character, Sarah Polly's. I think you would have been a little younger. Sally Salt. Because she, well, I, she was nine when they filmed it. Maybe she's playing younger because she's yeah. so tiny. Because something about her, I remember like being like, oh, I, something in my lizard brain was like, oh, I wanted to be her. Because she was like doing cool stuff she was on this the, movie. The star of the movie. Yeah, she's a movie star. <laughs> I'm a movie star. <laughs> I'm gonna walk through the living room and look at this movie star for yeah, five seconds. Then that go makes sense. Play yeah. Barbie somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. So we oh, for sure saw it. I absolutely love this movie. I was curious to watch it again to see if it was gonna hold up or disappoint me, and it did not disappoint. It's so good. I remember it. I remembered so many moments, like when they would say a thing, I knew the line. So I kind of oh wonder God, I if that. I watched it a bunch. I yeah. Don't know. But we didn't own it. Like, we didn't own movies at home. We just would have been renting them. No, but you guys... I don't recall us owning any videos, right? We didn't. And not till the primo years of working at the video store, when you guys would bring home hits like we strip tees. still didn't own them. We just... Showgirls. Rented them from... <laughs> brought them home from work. Yeah. I was like, what is happening? God, is that the I'm first time or... I saw that movie? That's... It's got to be. Hilarious. I think it's the only time I've seen it. One little trivia on this movie. This was Uma Thurman's first movie. But not her debut because it, there were delays in production. And so another movie came out before this one. So this is not her debut, but it is her first acting job. I was wondering. It seemed like it might be. Yeah. I was kind of like, she's lovely and adorable. Does she know that she's in a movie right now? Or is she just naturally a goddess all the time? Just she was she's awkward, just... but she was like, I felt like she didn't kind of know where to look. And like during the kiss, I could see her being like, so I was like this is her first movie you think she didn't want to kiss that old man I know I, good point point. and I also read that Sarah Polly like basically said it was a as a traumatic shit show oh yeah I'm surprised she was involved in any of that stuff at all any stunt I, th- I think if they were to film that again it would be there would be a stunt actor doing anything like they wouldn't have had a nine-year-old in water and uh just from the the costume end of it like uh did you know that when you have a child doing stunts in a movie, who who's the stunt person? What do you think? I mean, I assume it has to be an adult, right? Yeah, it's it's women. Yeah, female stunt, tiny women, people. Yeah, uh, they take they they do the stunts for children, which I thought was interesting. Like, yeah. So like, um, you just make their costume a little bit bigger to to account for whatever padding they're gonna need to keep themselves safe for the stunt. Yeah. So yeah, it was really sad to like watch that knowing like oh that's like they do have long shots where you can see like it is her they didn't close up shot those things so you could have it be a stunt person yeah it's crazy to <laughs> like me. close up of legs or close up of or a really long shot where you can't see it's not Sarah Polly. and then it doesn't really surprise me because you I mean all the stories that have come out from young actors about their time in the 80s and then like of course they were being put like like there was just n- no consideration for their state like I'm not it's surprised so recent, this at all. Really. yeah it's so I mean it's only I don't know that as much about stunt safety as I would you know maybe these other arenas but um it does not surprise me in the least but um, I mean what you do know is that nine-year-olds should not be doing their own stunts yeah and I'm not surprised that people were trying to cut corners in those, like, 80s vibes action movies. Yeah. Like whatever you would call yeah. those. Yeah, I always love the idea that you talked about before of um, how you have to make multiple costumes. And uh, I don't think a lot of people know that. Like, yeah, I so always just thought you made one costume. You would definitely have multiples for these the star. Um, even if it's not something, not a costume that you built, even if it's purchased clothing... 
you would purchase multiples because um like if you think about like continuity the costume always has to look the same it can't look wrinkled suddenly and then look unwrinkled so when you would like get an order for a costume or like have to make a costume every time like you're designing a costume you you know that there's going to be multiples of it is there like a standard like you're always going to make 10 of this or does it just depend on no it really just depends okay it depends on like how long is the scene yeah um but that's something that the costume designer and the costume designer's assistant, like that when they're doing a script breakdown of what costumes are needed, that's something that they figure out. And by the time it comes to me, that's all figured out. I don't have anything to do with how many we're building. Yeah. I just get told how many. Yeah. That kind I of love thing. it. Yeah. None of that. <laughs> None of that jibber jab you have to figure out. Well, one person can only figure out so much, right? Yeah. So you did fall asleep. I did not because I was just so excited to see this movie again. Um, let's set up the world of the movie. So right at the beginning, they have like a big title graphic that says late 18th century. Now, you know that that means 1700s because you're smart. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> Asked me that two years ago. I might not have known. <laughs> Just kidding. They also say they have a big title card that says Age of Reason. Um, but let's talk about a little bit whether it's the real world or a fantasy world. Because um, I thought it was really interesting that the the movie sets up like we're in a real, real for the context of the movie world. And then the Baron takes us into his fantasy world. But the real world is also very fantastical. Mm-hmm. And a lot of weird things happen in the the world that we see as real within this movie. So the real world is just as um, unreal as the fantasy world. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, especially like at the end when we come back to the stage and we realize that we've been like on yeah. uh, this journey that he's just been telling to the audience. Um, because then even the start of the journey felt like, uh, we were already kind of based somewhere, um, that wasn't really clear. Yeah, no, I, I found it kind of delightfully confusing. I wasn't really sure what was real and what wasn't. And I'm just assuming none of it was. Uh, Baron Munchausen was a real person and this is based on see i didn't know this at any any of this when i was a kid i thought this was just a cool movie yeah this is, these are like real uh german stories based yeah. on this guy's life who was a real german adventurer yeah i mean apparently these are all like happening during the the russo-turkish <laughs> can't War. wait for some history buff to listen to this and be like you fucking idiots yeah yeah <laughs> oh did you catch what it is that's sewn in this movie yes of course what is it Oh, also, because the whole movie, Jason was like, are you paying attention to the costumes? And I was like, do you know what the podcast is? <laughs> you were like, are you paying attention to me? He's like, you can't fall asleep. Um, but he we actually like, pointed to already. it. Yeah. He was like, there's no way they could do that that quick. And I was like, you should join our podcast. I bet he liked this movie. He did. Um, but I, I watched it in pieces because I did fall asleep, so I had to be like, I have to finish this. So I actually watched it on th- in three different sections. So we oh, missed, my God. Three different sections. Is he, like, poking you, like, wake up? Oh, it's a lot of, like, um, are you asleep? <laughs> <laughs> when I am actually asleep. It's very jarring. You're like, no, no, no. Well, I do this thing where I open my eyes and I start laughing before I'm fully awake to, to, because even oh, subconsciously, to fake it. yeah, even subconsciously I'm trying to put him off the scent that I'm asleep. So I'll go, <laughs> and he'll look at me and be like, you're not actually awake. You're like, babe, that never works. Yes. Um, okay. So say what it is. Okay. So, uh, they, 
Now, all this said, I can't really remember where it is in the plot now that I think about it. Just say what it is. Okay, it's a hot air balloon, right? Okay, normally it's like a tarp material, but in this case, they take a whole bunch of underpants and they sew them all together. They make a hot air balloon out of underwear. I think that's it. Yeah, that was a great description. Thank yeah. You. Yeah, hot air balloon made of underwear. I also really liked how they're all kind of flat sewn onto a backing fabric for the actual prop that is the balloon, except for one, one pantaloon that is um, in, that is sort of inflates. So like the legs stand up. As we were watching that, I was like, oh, I remember this moment. And tall guy was like, I remember this moment. <laughs> Cut to me, just like. You're, you're pretending no. to be awake. I woke up for that part. Um, that was kind of exciting. Yeah. All right, so now that we know exactly what this balloon made of underwear looks like, could they have sewn this? The Age of Reason slash Age of Enlightenment is from 1685 to 1815. So first I looked up, did hot air balloons exist? The first manned hot air balloon flew on November 21st, 1783. Oh, interesting. Yeah, because Jason asked me, he was like, do you think they even had, had they hot, have hot air, air balloons? balloons? I was like, that didn't even occur to me. I, they did. I guess. So there was two paper manufacturers in France named the Montgolfier brothers. And so the balloon was made of paper and silk because they were paper manufacturers. So that was the first manned one. Now the first unmanned one with passengers was September of that same year. So like a month before. And the passengers in that case were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Oh, I was going to say, how is it unmanned passengers? But they're not human. Did they um, land? It does not say that they didn't. And I think if they didn't, history would have remembered it. So I think all went well and history was like, oh, let's move on. Okay. So um, now King Louis XVI was really into this whole cutter balloon thing. And he proposed that they test it out uh, instead of on a sheep, a duck, and a rooster, that they just used on prisoners. Great. Great. And so the, the Montgolfiers were like, we're going to go with some barnyard animals instead. <laughs> they were like, great idea, King. Yeah. Let's circle back to that one later. Think about that one. We actually might know some prisoners, so we're just going to go yeah. ahead and use some animals. We, probably everyone here knows some prisoners. Yes. so Or some peasants, <laughs> which will be your next suggestion. Yeah. Let's not use those. Okay. Now that we know that hot air balloons did exist, my next thing was to find out how big is a hot air balloon. I couldn't find out any uh, historical information, so I found a website called XLTA, which stands for Experimental Lighter Than Air Aircraft. And it is a website for like uh, people who build hot air balloons, kind of like a hobbyist. So from that website, I, I learned that a modern standard 16 gore, 13 panel hot air balloon requires 500 yards of fabric. Holy shit. So That's kind of big, right? Yeah. So uh, you can picture a hot air balloon like a big upside down teardrop. And they have gores, which are these long, thin panels that you sew together to create the shape. Kind of like a light bulb shape, really. Uh-huh. So the panels that refer to are smaller pieces that create each gore. Because instead of cutting one piece of fabric that's, I don't know, a thousand feet long, you you can cut panels, sew them into their gores, and then stitch your gores together, and then you got your balloon. So, um, and that's for the the big part, right? That is, they call it the envelope. Really? Balloon people call it the envelope. Yeah. Uh, so that's the, I mean, it's the bag that the hot air goes into. Yeah. And it has all all kinds of things involved. Like there's a vent at the top that I learned about, and some things that anchor the vent. Just 
And Liza, there obviously, is a net over the top. We now need to do a hot air balloon ride. <laughs> have you ever done one? No, and I have zero interest. Oh my God, really? Are you afraid of heights? No, it's just that you're in there for like eight hours. Are you serious? Maybe four hours, but like, I don't want to be in a balloon for four hours. Oh, okay. I'm afraid of heights, but I'm kind I of I got time for that. Yeah. I can see you're on a tight schedule. I can see that about you. Actually, I, you know, I get bored kind of easily too. So I could see myself being like, should I, if I'm not going to jump out of this can thing, I then like. <laughs> can I climb <laughs> a rope down? Yeah. <laughs> All right. So 500 yards at 60th width. Now 60th, 60 inch width. This is the standard width for ripstop nylon, which is what we make, uh, balloons out of now hmm. it's very lightweight and like the name says it doesn't rip rip stop wait what we make air, hot air balloons out of now now yeah. okay not so we don't use paper and silk anymore and we don't use underwear again see so paper not being a good move paper's not a great move yeah yeah silk close behind <laughs> underwear underwear hard third questionable <laughs> <laughs> so we use rip stop nylon okay so 500 yards at 60 inches width now a pantaloon we see Uma Thurman's character wearing pantaloons in one of the scenes. Um, that, you know I love a good pantaloon. Yeah. So it's it's an underwear that is sort of a calf length pants. And then they might have a decorative ruffle at the bottom. Yep. Or they might not. And there's a drawstring at the top. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's what a pantaloon is. Now you need about two yards of fabric per pantaloon. Okay. Oh, wow. So now 500 yards total needed divided by two yards per pantaloon would equal, you need 250 pantaloons. It's a lot of ladies. To make this balloon. Yeah. Now, if each lady in this time period owns two pairs of pantaloons, because this is not a time period where you have an underwear drawer. Mm. It's like, let's say each each lady owns two pairs of pantaloons. For 250 pantaloons divided by two pairs per lady, you need 125 women. Damn. Um, So 125 women must donate all their underwear to this balloon. Which actually sounds kind of reasonable, because I think in that uh, city, there are 125 women, for sure. But are there 125 that don't want to have panties on? (laughs) Well, (laughs) or that think it's worth giving up their panties so that this old man can escape. But he's the one who can rescue their city, so I think they're going to give up their panties. I mean, the things people used to do for war efforts is really quite, quite honorable. Yeah. Okay, so 125 women, yes. That so far we we can make this balloon out of underwear. Totally. Okay, but to make a standard modern sixteen gore thirteen panel hot air balloon requires about two hundred hours of work. Mm. Do we have two hundred hours? No, they make it in like three hours. Yeah. They, well, they make it. Let's see. I think they make think it in they about make it four night, seconds. And then oh, okay. It's the next morning, and it's ready. Wait, but how many people do they have working on it? That's the thing. Okay, so. If, if 100 women work for 20 hours straight, the balloon could be built in one day. Okay. Now, uh, 100 women should definitely not work for 20 hours straight, and I even think that 200 women should not work for 10 hours straight. I go, okay. <laughs> <laughs> like, you're on board. Like... Yeah. <laughs> As someone who's actually worked in this business, yeah. so, this sounds like hell. Overtime sucks. <laughs> yeah. Not worth it. Yeah. So basically, every woman that donates her panties needs to then turn around and and sew those panties. And help, sew, help put them together. Now, the problem... So so far, this is, this is working, right? Mm-hmm. We're going to make this balloon. The problem is that pantaloons don't exist yet. And neither does a sewing machine. In any oh, practical shit. way. Damn! <laughs> with the hard facts? Oh. Tell us about the first sewing okay, machine. The first sewing machine was invented 
was created in 1790, and it was a chain stitching machine that was to help with leather work. Um, so the first, um, what we call an American lock stitch, it was patented in 1851. Yeah. So that is a long ways off. Yeah. And that is the one that did a straight stitch uh, rather than a chain stitch. Um, it's just a different type of stitch, but it's uh, when we think of what sewing machines do today, the majority of them are straight stitches. Chain stitch is more for like leather or something that's straight. Well, if you think about, if you look at your, your jeans... And if you look at the inseam or the outseam, and you can see that the the seam line doesn't go like a like a straight line. Yeah. That it's got each one looks like a little loop yeah. attached to the next loop. That's but a chain. very tiny. That's a chain. Oh. And the cool. idea is that you can unpick it and pull the entire thing out. The mm. chain comes undone because mm. it's just chained together. It's not locked together. It's just like a relationship. You <laughs> just pull one of those one and of those threads, and the whole thing <laughs> explodes in your face. However, if you try to if you try to unchain it from the wrong end, it's impossible. Oh, interesting. Just okay. like a relationship. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh. If you, yeah. You really got to find the right. <laughs> find a metaphor. Right I don't know. <laughs> okay. So, okay. So sewing machines don't really exist. Uh, now, the other thing that doesn't really exist is underwear. Ah! Megan, do you know that it wasn't <laughs> until the 1830s that women started wearing underwear? Liza. Wait, what did they do Am before I that? Blowing your mind? Yes. They didn't wear underwear. What did they do during their period? Well, uh, actually, I don't know. <laughs> you know, that is an area of research that never comes up in my um, my, my costume history books. Is it written by dudes? Probably written by dudes, yeah. <laughs> That's a really good question. Okay, so, but um, pantaloons were developed in the 1830s. Based on the clothing in this movie, despite the fact that it says we're in the late 1700s, 90s um the clothing style tells me that it's 1810 mm. approximately so we're 20 years off from having underwear however uma is wearing some and this whole movie is about storytelling and memories and how i saw it then and how i re recall it now and how i'm telling it to you you know the the facts let not we're not letting the facts get in the way of a of the, the truth good story or yeah the good yeah story yeah all of this so um but if we're just looking at strictly factual underneath they would have on a very similar gown called a chemise and the balloon does have some chemises oh that's where that term comes from yeah so chemise just means like underdress and it used to be like it's a like thing saying a war now it's yeah. like a sexy like you yeah know, marketed as like a thingy so you would wear a chemise under your corset because you can't wash a corset very easily. It's not something you would do often, oh. perhaps ever. And also, but you can wash the chemise. Yeah, every once a year, whenever you think it needs it. <laughs> this is fascinating because also, like, how often were people bathing at this time? I can't. Yeah. I have no knowledge of like if baths were in style yet because they kind of weren't for a while. Hence the plague. Yeah, but that was you know well, the plague was earlier, four hundred years earlier. But, but still. you're right. I mean, this is a time three hundred. Uh, where, yeah, people didn't own a lot of clothing and the clothing they owned uh, didn't get washed that often. Right before this time period is my very favorite time period in fashion, which is the Empire in France, which is based on like Empress Josephine because it was the same look of the high waist, but all the fabrics were very sheer and white and then um, just incredible sumptuous like capes made of velvet and fur but then these really simple gowns it's i think it's really beautiful yeah uh, but let me get back to um pantaloons 
Okay, so shocking thing number one, they didn't wear underwear. Shocking thing number two, when pantaloons were invented or developed or adopted or whatever you want to say, the the crotch was an open crotch until probably well into the 20th century. Oh my God. Yeah. In a world of no indoor plumbing, especially if you're wearing a corset, it's not that easy to bend down to pull a like what's basically a pair of pants on and off. Yeah. So they would be split so that you could Oh, so gross. <laughs> it's also gnar. Well that is brilliant isn't it, and disgusting. Isn't and it slightly uh horrifying? shocking and scandalous though that all women wore split crotch panties until the twentieth century basically? All women didn't wear any panties for well, prior until... to that. <laughs> in an periods that were so um, you know, yeah, the puritanical. Yeah. yeah. To think that they were wearing all those heavy gowns and then like just out like <laughs> crazy. There's got to be uh, several theses out there in the world. This is that would be really interesting to read about about like how did the bathroom work with various fashions? Yeah, throughout yeah. history. Yeah, how did the bathroom work? How did the? I mean, and just talking about cleanliness and like how that like corsets and the garments have to be made in a way that not only does it have to be durable, but you're right, they're probably not going to wash that often. So like. Do they smell? <laughs> like, people are, well, like, sweating and I mean, out in the world and stuff. From what I've heard, the the world of before smelled uh, real bad, and we would all be horrified to live there. <laughs> so this is a picture of the, the type of corset that they're wearing in this movie. Um, so you can see it's mm. it's not making her waist small. It's, it's creating yeah, it's not a... not this one. No, because that's yeah. from a different time period. Yeah. So it's creating... It's, it's like a... The Bridgerton look, like it's holding everything forward into. That's what I was going to ask. Yeah, that's the same time. Period. I had actually never seen those kind of costumes before. Oh really? They're wearing. That's the ones that you like, right? They're yeah. everything's loose and kind of lovely. It's like uh, Emma. Um, yeah, that's true. I'd seen Emma. Okay. Any Jane Austen mm-hmm. movie, because uh, they all take place in the early 1800s. Nice. So then that's the. Now I I read about an interesting thing. You see how like, the boobs are kind of separated. Yeah. They had a special part of the costume called a divorce, ah! just meaning to separate. Yeah. So it was like a little piece that went into the corset to just hold oh, them apart. <laughs> yeah. I love it. <laughs> I've wondered about that too, because you see a lot of these things and like, you're like, wow, those, their boobs are really separated. Is that on Yeah. And it's it not was. like a big line of cleavage. Yeah. It's... Because that's also in style at It's like points. the two scoops of ice cream thing yep. instead of like a Wonder Bob cleavage thing. Totally. Yeah. Two scoops of ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so, um, so yeah, so let's wrap up. Could they sew it? In this movie, sure. There must have been some woman in there who was the fastest sewing woman in the world. Right. And she just whipped it out. Yeah. That's what I think. I think, uh, you know, logically, no, but this is not a movie where, uh, the, you know, it, it may be say that it's the age of reason, but we are indulging this old man in his... Uh, fantasies that are from a different time period and world entirely so yeah i'm gonna say yeah they could sew it in it would have been nice to see like of all the fantastical things we see it would have been nice to see one woman just <laughs> i guess not using a sewing machine so using her hands just like doing it really quickly yeah since we see so many other weird things but i think we can imagine that yeah oh one one interesting thing though is um silk was a fiber that was used for um hot air balloons and it's also even in the 40s it was used in parachutes Oh, yeah. Um, because it's really strong. Yeah. Really lightweight. So that 
I think that's kind of what they're tapping into with having this balloon being made of underwear. Is that underwear might be silk. Well, all that, all these uh, chemises and things, they might be um, made of silk. And so it does almost, almost a like, whoa, well, we could just use this for this. Yeah. You know, it almost works. Yeah. Nice. All right. <laughs> so we, it, it's in the scheme of the movie's um, logic, it, it fits right in. Yeah. It, it, it holds to its own logic. Yeah. yeah. Would they sew it? Would 125 women uh, take off their underwear and give them, donate them to this balloon project? We already kind of talked about that. Yeah, right? they would. Yeah. But they wouldn't have any underwear to take off if we were in a real world. <laughs> if we're in the real world. But we're not. They would have to say, sorry, man, we don't wear panties yet. Yeah. So just to recap, they literally had nothing on under this under the dress. So it would be like, you would have your chemise. Yeah. Which is like a long nightgown, sleeveless, low neckline, right? And that's a really thin linen or cotton or silk. Then you would have your corset. You would also have stockings of some sort, which would just be knit socks that would come up probably to your knee. So you, the, the layers would be there were stockings, chemise, corset on top of the chemise, then your dress. There might even be a petticoat. Mm. especially as this time period moves into later time periods, like around 1815 and 1820, 1830. 1830, you might also have pantaloons. But yeah, this was a very, I mean, we think about like people from a long time ago being prudish and covered up and like we're so much more uh, free and advanced now. But I mean, this is a very uh, sexy time period. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Talk a like, so in your research where you, I mean... Like, how do you, how do you know that? <laughs> how do I know it's sexy? <laughs> well, I mean, do you feel like people are getting, does it seem like, because I feel like when we watch movies from this time period, people are just, like, getting it on. And, oh, like, no, no. I just mean it, like, it looked good. Yeah. It's a very attractive time period. It's also, like, the, like, the more there is to, like, kind of take off, the more, yeah. like, sexy it is, you know? Well, you, I think a lot of it is also that the, the emperor was young, Josephine was young, and so this was a very, this is a time period in a fashion that was all about young beautiful people yeah the time period slightly before that is this sort of thing like you're it's sort of a Marie Antoinette vibe where there's a lot of layers of stuff yeah she was young too but that was a lot more of a time period where you structure the body with clothing as opposed to letting the clothing show the beauty of your young strong healthy body Ooh. Yeah. You're so smart. <laughs> I love it. And then also the the this uh, Ampere period, they were getting the, the influences were all like um, Greek mythology. The costumes, their dresses even had names like a la Grec and a la Roman. Like they they were going for like a, a a Greek toga kind of beautiful Aphrodite. Like this all the look of this movie really ties in well with the the uh, fantasy elements where we're going to visit Aphrodite, visit Venus. And yeah, and yeah. Stuff. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, so would they sew it? Yeah, because they don't want to die. They want yeah. him to go. What is his goal? He's going to go get his team together. He rebuilds the team. And I love that kind of movie where there's like 
gotta get the team together totally and when we meet the team members i'm like can we just do a movie with these four dudes yeah because yeah. everybody had like a special skill and they all really loved each other and yeah. they're going on a journey together yeah, yeah. like tall guy was like this needs to be a tv show of each episode yeah. is one of these guys yeah <laughs> i, I mean and that. i love when the strongest man strongest fastest man in the world ran off with all the kind of sauntered off with all the treasure that was the oh the strongest guy yeah strongest guy yeah yeah and they come back and they defeat the turks yeah and then uh, death comes for him and it doesn't happen and yeah yeah so uh, for sure all all uh, all these ladies would help make this balloon to defeat the Turks yes <laughs> all right <laughs> okay and then uh, but should they sew it uh, absolutely oh yeah it's such a delight yeah it's such a funny image just when I was doing research and looking up like y- you know sometimes you have to really dig of like you have to make a whole sentence to find an image. And in this one, it was just like, underwear, balloon, pop, there it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when I was, even in my stupor, when I was watching it, I was like, um, I was like, oh, oh, this this is a big moment. This is a big moment with this. <laughs> Struggle to wake up again. Liza's going to ask me about this one. <laughs> I also really love the moment where we first see uh, Uma Thurman as Venus and she she arrives. It's the Botticelli's birth of Venus moment. Yes. With the two ladies flying in yes. and draping her. I love that. So too. beautiful. And that yeah. that long Botticelli hair that she has is just really beautiful. I love that. Yeah. Um, it was also neat because I mean, just it's it's just such a unique. It's such a original kind of surprise way to incorporate sewing into a movie and it just goes to show like how it's not just about straightforward costumes or straightforward like oh we've talked about wedding dress or whatever like um or prom dress like this is like a a sort of off the wall way to look at um the real is it's an off the wall way to look at how realistic it would be to sew something yeah so surprising and it's interesting too that this is not a costume moment um and i'm not even sure if it's a prop yeah. Cause like I would define a prop as something that's handled by an actor. Yeah. Whereas a costume is something that's uh, worn by an actor. Um, so like a prop might be a shovel or a sword. Um, what would you call this then? But I, th- I think it has to count as a prop because it is not scenery. Mm. And uh, I mean, they do handle it. They are sort of billowing it and they're doing the bellows to fill it with air. True. Yeah. So I guess it is a prop. But uh, it's a prop made of costumes. <laughs> wow, this is mind blowing. You I just know. don't even know how to categorize. <laughs> don't this even thing. know. Yeah, it's all it's all just part of the big fantasy picture where nothing's real and yeah. nothing's quite clear. Um, I also, while I was watching this, I made a note to myself to look up: um, Was Venus married to Vulcan? So I got my copy here of Dollars Greek Myths. Yeah. Which, uh, Every child should own. I remember you having this when I was a child. Yeah. Look at this drawings. Yeah. Beautiful. Yes. Aphrodite was married to Hephaestus uh, because uh, Zeus was concerned that the other gods would fight for her hand in marriage. And Hephaestus was uh, steadfast and also uh, very strong. So he, so Zeus felt that that would be a good pairing because she would be... Uh, kept safe and the other ones wouldn't try to mess with Hephaestus there'd be no wars started over her nice like it would be a good situation oh I love it and um he he like the thing about him making diamonds for her um I love that. Th- this book does not say he made diamonds but does say he made a lot of 
like was just always making beautiful jewelry because Hephaestus or Vulcan is a, a blacksmith. Yeah. Um, and uh, I like how they really leaned into like he was like like he couldn't be kind of like a a sexy Adonis blacksmith. He had to be kind of yeah. like a brute. Well, that is, that is actually based in the myth that okay. that she was kind of like I would rather have uh, rather have been married to like a sexy god like Ares, the god of war. Yeah. Uh, because uh, Vulcan was always dirty. Yeah. But um, yeah. According to uh, Dollar's Greek myths here, uh, he really loved her and she tolerated him. <laughs> this is my wish. That's what I'm saying. This is a key to, key to success. <laughs> and then I also, while I was reading it, I or when it, while I was watching this movie, I also was thinking about the the way that Baron the Baron looks in this movie is a lot like the way that we think of the Nutcracker. Did you see? Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. I totally see that resemblance. Yeah. Sort of very thin and uh, very, like, like... the big nose. Yeah, the big nose and the, the sort of, like, robotic movement. And, like, yeah. the red jacket. Yeah. Yeah, so I, th- I thought, like, that surely that can't be a coincidence. And so I went and got this other... This copy of E.T.A. Hoffman Nutcracker with pictures by Maurice Sendak, which every child should also own. Mm, Maurice Sendak, R.I.P. Yeah, and um, so the original story was written in 1816, which is right in this time period. Oh, my god! So that is why the way we picture the Nutcracker is the same as the styling of the Baron, because they're from the same time period. Of course. That is so cool. Okay, did you catch the name of the horse? No. All right, so he's got that big white horse. Yeah. He calls it Bucephalus. Yes. So when I heard that, I was like... That means something for sure. Yeah. There's no way that's an accidental name. So I looked it up. That's the name of Alexander the Great's horse. (gasps) So I wonder if that's from the original tales of the Baron. Yeah. Uh, But then I was like, okay, but fine. It's Alexander the Great's horse name. It still means something. Boo and stuff. Like, that means something. So I looked it up, and sure enough, um, boos means ox in Greek, and kephales means head. So it's like calling your, your horse bullheaded <laughs> like calling it stubborn i love it yeah yeah and that because that horse was stubbornly devoted to coming back to him over and over again yeah i like when the horse when bursts into the volcano ship wherever they are inside oh the, when they're yeah. inside the the fish when all is lost and the horse comes in and yeah Ooh, weren't there good moments with death oh my god yeah, yeah. that moment where they're playing cards and all the grown-ups start sitting down and, and little Sally is like, what are you doing? Like, I remember feeling that sort of dread of like, wait, we're not going to just stay here and do this, right? Like, yeah. Like, just in other situations. Like, I've, I've definitely felt that before. I thought that was really cool. Because you would have been, what, like 12 or something when you were watching Yeah, I would have been 12 watching yeah. this. But just throughout life, like, that feeling where you're like, okay, good. We're doing something. Why are you all sitting down? Yeah. What is happening? Totally. Yeah. yeah. Like, I thought we were all on the same page about this plan. Yeah. Now you're all sitting down and playing cards. And I see that death is here. Yeah. Yeah, death was really scary in this movie. Death was really scary. I would have been legit. I wonder if little Sally, little Sarah Polly was legitimately scared of that creature. I would guess no, because when she would see it so much. True. It would just be a puppet. I mean, I, I think it, yeah, it wasn't an actor. It was just a... And I guess when you're dealing with explosions and, like, being in the water for 10 hours straight, you have bigger fish to fry as a nine-year-old. Of of that puppet. (laughs) Oh, God. But, you know, I do wonder about that with child actors. If you have something scary that you have to interact with, like, if if your handler makes sure to introduce you to the scary puppet and, like, 
let you touch it and just know that it's pretend. I I don't know. Like on the yeah. one hand, you don't want to terrorize a child, but on the other hand, you want to get a genuine reaction of fear. So it's like that's a really good question. <laughs> that's a, that's I'm sure a... they have to involve child psychologists on set and to like try to figure out that balance. And now, yeah, not then, not then. <laughs> then they guarantee just sprung it on the kid to get the best reaction they could. Trauma yeah. be trauma be damned. <laughs> yeah, trauma be trauma. Okay, so just to wrap up, could they sew it? Yes. Would they sew it? Yes. Should they sew it? 100% absolutely. Mm. I love this movie. Did you like it even though you fell asleep? No, I did like it. Okay. The, I, I Especially this morning when I was watching the last um, 45 minutes I of it. I love this is like a week-long project watching <laughs> this. I'm so sorry. I really loved the beginning. I, the only parts that kind of lost me a little bit were just when they were in what seemed like it could be space. I was wondering if you were going to hate the space parts. Yeah, that's, there's what, no, that's when I fell asleep. There's no spaceship. Yeah. But you still hate it. <laughs> I, still yeah, I didn't like it. I was like, oh, Robin Williams. And then I kind of drifted off and around that area. But once they got back to Venus and once they got, you know, um, yeah. certainly all the Sultan stuff in the beginning and like the war at the end when they confront the Sultan. and these, mm-hmm. I love all the times he's about to get beheaded. You know, ever since I had that conversation with you guys about like what, how to parse out what it is I do and don't like. Um, I've been trying to do that <laughs> myself. And I'm like, well, I love action sequences. I love, like, it seems like somebody's going to get killed and then they're not. Like, I love all that stuff. I think it's just when it sort of slows down and it's in space mm-hmm. that I, it loses me a little bit. Also, that that is my least favorite segment of this movie is yeah. when they're on the moon. I could have handled about one minute of this and instead we got like 10 minutes of it yes and that would be my other larger note was just that it was all too long and if it had been if that part had been trimmed down a little bit i mean it's over two hours which is nowadays mm. with superhero movies they're regularly two hours but i feel like a For, good... especially if it's a kid's movie is which it is... a kid's movie is it an adult movie yeah we don't know yeah it really could they could have shaved off a little bit for my personal taste because i think anything over two hours is an abomination unless it's there's a couple well, you're, things you're but, gonna have to sleep in the middle of it yeah at least once. i will have to fall asleep um but generally it, it just seemed like it was a little long in that section but the beginning and the and the end and all the theater stuff and you know i actually did really like it and i was watching it and i was like this is so um i could see like little liza and little brother <laughs> being deeply entertained because I remember as a child you guys would pick movies that um I knew were good and yet I couldn't um I couldn't like latch on to them yeah I mean honestly like just watching a movie like not even the content of the movie but just the length of a movie is um like we didn't start showing movies for um small guy until like the lockdown part of pandemic because he was he like he was seven by then, and before that, it was just like he doesn't really need to sit still for two hours. Or could probably. Or could yeah, like that's he's not going to be engaged. Like it's just the length of it that's a deterrent for movies. And of course, the first movie we played for him was um, The Wizard of Oz, <laughs> which is what is that like a forty-five minute movie? I don't know. <laughs> is it? I thought it was kind of no, long. No, no, no. It's it's regular length. Um, did he like it? I'm just being ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, he was into it. And yeah. I, I think part of it was the newness of getting to watch a movie. Uh-huh. And also, it was the scariest part of lockdown, and it was just nice to watch something fun. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. But the All of that theater stuff at the beginning is really amazing. All those, like, practical props, the the waves that you use uh, use gears to, like, make them the, the fish with the mouth that came down and the, you know, 
like all of that stuff is really satisfying. I really like how you see from a distance it looks like curtains are around the proscenium of the theater. And then when you get close, you see it's just dabs of paint creating like a set effect, like a trompe oil. It's yeah, that was super satisfying. I loved watching it too and thinking about how like just theater in this way of entertaining people has just been around forever and ever and ever and it's like yeah even even during a war or whatever was maybe happening in this story it was just like and everyone was standing too right mm-hmm. there wasn't it was very much like the some people were kind of sitting around, around. But, yeah but everybody was wounded people like that wounded. was really wonderful yeah. too it was like yes there's a war going on but just like now like people need to escape like people yeah. are escaping into a uh, entertaining fiction right and it's never not from been the scary that way. thing that's yeah. happening yeah. yeah we would much rather watch this other story of you know war and entertainment and and uh overcoming odds than than live the life that we yeah. are in all right well, let's be done okay so that's so that's our show for today thanks for listening listener listeners plural yeah, actually, I want to say, I want to say listener, because I've been listening to a couple podcasts, and the ones that say listener, I feel like they're talking to me. Mm, okay. And the ones that say listeners, sometimes I'm like, you're bragging. <laughs> you know there's only one. <laughs> it might be me I and someone it. else, but I don't want to hear you brag. <laughs> yeah. That's hilarious, Liza. Yeah, but like listener sounds, um, they're talking to me. So thanks, listener, for listening. Um, and Megan, thanks for coming over and talking to me about this oh movie. God, thanks for watching it ways. in three different chunks. <laughs> all right. Bye. 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 Thanks for having me, Liza. Wait, Mama, you forgot to say the costume designer's name. Do I have to, though? Because we were kind of thinking maybe it was a prop. Yes, you have to. You're right. You're right. Special shout out to Gabriella Pescucci, costume designer for The Adventures of Baron Munchausen. While you're here, um, how can people leave a review if they want to? Well, I think somewhere around it, there, there's a little box where you can type it, you know, like something you like about it, and five empty stars that you can select to... Put five stars, right? Yeah, this is really good. <laughs> Even though I've only heard a few parts of it, I like it. Okay. Thank you for listening to There's No Friend. Keep it threaded. <laughs>